You have now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strange to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it locked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LABB, who we running with, yeah. Two, two, three, three, I'm on 10 again. Hello and welcome back to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. Um, as usual, I'm Ja and that's Troy and uh, we're excited to be back, happy to be back. Um, we took a quick, I, I, well not quick, a bit of a hiatus, <laughs> um, a few weeks. Um, things kind of got crazy for me uh, as well as you know for my dad over there. Uh, just a quick update for you guys, man. I, I, our track season has been going really well, actually into the championship season now. I'm excited for that, but it's kept me on the road on weekends and traveling a lot, um, but it's been going well. Um, what's been going on over there for you guys? I know you guys have been busy over there back home. Well, yeah, just uh, the last three months, uh, just traveling back and forth uh, from the desert to, to LA uh, with your grandparents. And um, as you know, with your, with your grandmother passing on, it's been a lot just trying to uh, take care of and get things situated with your grandfather and your mother. So it's just been a whole lot. So the last, like I said, several weekends been in LA, um, you know, consistently. And so that's been, um, you know, taking up a lot of time and a lot of energy and just trying to make sure things are where they should be and uh, that everybody's good. And so, um, and then work. Yeah. So working and, got these projects going on so it's been uh the last several weeks has been been challenging yeah. but i can't complain i'm still here and i'm able to still function and make things happen so the good things are happening good things in the works so i got some uh some good things moving and i'll be able to share with everyone and hopefully the next episode some of the good news and some of the good things that's going on okay cool that's good to hear um yeah, no, I think that's kind of been the, the biggest, and I wouldn't say stressor, but just kind of why things have felt so all over the place is the uncertainty about what's next um, and trying to figure things out. But I think we're all, um, I guess I have some news to share, you know, hopefully next week too, huh? But we are all kind of figuring out what's next and, and what our next phase is. And um, I mean, the good thing is we're a strong enough family to where we always come together and we figure it out. Uh, but I wanted to jump into today's topic. As you mentioned, uh, my grandmother passed, uh, my mom's mom, uh, what was it? It's about, what, three weeks now? It was three April 11th, so. Yeah, it's been so a little, over a month, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and so today's topic, we're actually discussing grief. I, I, that's kind of one of the things that came up to my mind, obviously been dealing with a lot um, personally in that you know area. Um, and so I've always, I think I was, the reason I was interested in this topic is because I'm not an emotional person. You're not an emotional person. And I think our community, you know, the black community has an interesting way of dealing with grief and our emotions in general. And so this is kind of an episode that I guess flush that out. We rarely talk about it. We rarely deal with it openly. And so I think this will be an interesting talk about that. Um, I guess I can start with my personal, how I dealt with it. This, losing my grandmother, that was probably the closest person I've ever lost to me. Personally, uh, I lost my great grandmothers, both of your grandmothers, but I don't know. I was either too young. I mean, I was close to them, you know, and I loved my great grandmothers, 
but I was either, you know, too young to even really understand it. Um, or I guess they were kind of older as I came along. So it was just, they were already in their latter years of their life. And so, you know, I, although I was close with them, I don't know, I just, it didn't hit home as much. Whereas my grandmother, you know, obviously, I don't know how old she was when I was born, but you know, she was young enough to be able to run with me. She, you know, raised me, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, that was my dog right there. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. I think when I got the news, I initially was just, it was just shock. And then I think there was a moment of trying to just figure things out. And that was kind of the, that was kind of, I think, not a moment for about two weeks actually was trying to figure things out. Okay, I need to go home. You know, what are the plans? Cause we were in the middle of the season. And so, you know, I was, I guess I had been so caught up in that that I didn't have the really the chance to even think about it fully, you know what I mean? In depth. Um, but I know her funeral was just, it was like dealing with the finality. Like, this is it. You know, I think when they were, when we were putting her casket in the tomb, it was like, that's it. You know, I, I'll never ever see her again. I mean, physically, everything. And it was just, that was a lot to deal with in that moment. And so I think that was kind of the, the, the time it really hit home um, for me. And uh, that was, yeah, that was tough. I know, I wanna, I wanna get into you. You've lost both of your grandmothers um, and I was alive for that. I've never seen you cry besides those two times. I was really young when we lost Granny Josie, but I saw you cry. And then at, at Momo's funeral, you gave the eulogy and you cried. Talk about that, because I don't see you get emotional, but I know those hit home for you because of how big they were in your life. Well, uh, as you stated, I don't get very emotional. I don't know, I just maybe over the years conditioned myself. I know as a kid, I was very emotional. Um, which didn't go well for me. You know, I got in a lot of trouble because I would throw a fit and whatever I felt at that moment, that's how I responded. Uh. And through the years, obviously I matured, but part of that process was, you know, a few whoopings and certain things that happened and particularly in our community where as a young boy, you know, we're told not to cry. We're told not to, you know, show those emotions. And so I, just condition myself. I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, I don't show a lot of emotion in that regard. Um, and it's quite honest, it's very few times where I actually do get sad. I have those moments when, you know, I'm upset or frustrated, but really, really being sad is, is very, very, very seldom do I experience that. Um, yeah. I usually keep my mind focused on what I'm trying to do, where I'm trying to go, and I try to keep a positive, you know, spirit and, you know, focus on things that I can control and the good. And even with the passing of both my grandmothers, who were very close, they basically raised me along with my mom. I felt it in that moment, but I always think back. And when I think of them, I don't think about them being gone. I think about the experiences we had, some of the things we did, some of the things that they may say that I look back and, and still laugh about today. Uh, I do, since you were um, Granny Josie, I know Momo got a chance to see Malia and Malia got a chance to interact with Momo, although she was, you know, pretty old and Malia was um, relatively young. But I really wish that she'd have got a chance to meet Granny Josie and had that experience. And the experience that you and Tia had and the experience that I had with her, I think Malia, that would have been that would have been an interesting dynamic mix to see them two interact. Yeah. And that's one of the, I, I don't know if it was a regret, but that's one of the things I 
when I think of her, I, I, I get sad that they didn't get a chance to to have that interaction and meet each other and um, do the things that that we did with her because she was she was fun. And her and Momo were basically the same people from just opposite perspectives, meaning that Momo was very kind of straight faced, you know, no nonsense. But if you ever ask her for anything, she would give it to you. Yeah. Nothing but love. Granny, on the other hand, Granny Josie, she was more affectionate, you know, come and kiss you, hug you. And again, anything you ask for, you know, she had, she, if she can get it, and you, it was yours. Yeah. And so to answer your question, um, for me, I don't know if it's subconsciously that I've conditioned myself to not feel that, that sense of sadness or, or what it is. And, and whether or not that's good or bad, I, I, I can't say, but I know that's just kind of how I am. And I don't know, there's probably many of us who are that way. I think for me, the emotion that I probably have experienced the most, or I would say even allowed myself to experience is probably anger. And I think largely that's an emotion that in our community, particularly with black men and men in general is acceptable. Whereas crying is not acceptable, being sad, you know, that's just something that it's not looked upon, you know, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not something you looked upon as like, man, you sad again, what you crying about? <laughs> so those are the emotions that, like I said, I don't feel them often. And like I said, I don't know if it's just that I've conditioned myself not to, or maybe I'm just a happy person in general. And um, so for me, I just believe that a lot of it is conditioning and some of it is just my overall temperament and the person that I am and, you know, looking up the positive and being upbeat about things. You know, as I think about it and you, you kind of hit on it at the very beginning and you and I are very similar in this way. And I, I wasn't around when you was a kid, obviously, but I think we were both, cause I, I remember being a little emotional as a kid too. You know, I'd get a little upset. <laughs> I would cry and I would get, I remember being a little bit emotional. Not, I don't think I was very emotional, but I think like you at a very young age, I learned these emotions don't help with nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? This crying don't solve nothing. I'm still upset. You know what I mean? Getting mad and, and punching my sister, that only get me punched on. So I think I, at a very young age, I'm a very logical person. I was like, this don't, it don't get me anywhere. So might as well push to the side. And whether that's healthy or not, I don't know. But I, I think that's kind of where that comes from, to where I at least don't show emotion a lot because I just, for me, it just feels like it doesn't, it don't solve nothing. It don't really get me anywhere. Um, you touched on, you know, losing your grand, grandmothers. And one of the things that was interesting for me was, you know, we were at her house and, you know, we was eating and we, you know, had family over and everything. And I, it was just, like you said, the, you don't, you don't get sad, but you just kind of, you think about the good times, you think about all of the things they used to do, blah, blah, blah. I think that was one of the things that was so fresh. You know, that was the first time I had been to her house and she wasn't there, I think ever really. And that was really weird for me. I'm expecting her to come out one of the rooms and she want to whip me up some food. I'm expecting her to be falling asleep on the couch. And it was like, that's not here. And then to think, not only is that not right now, but never again. And that's kind of where I think my biggest hurdle is emotionally is the finality like I said I mean there's so many other things I think I don't know if it's my youthful arrogance or ignorance 
I think I could fix anything, right? I mean, you know, anything else, uh, you break your arm, it'll heal. You know, this happens, whatever. I can get over that. Right. But to, to know that, no, that's it. You know what I mean? There's no going back. There's no fixing that. There's no amount of time, care, or anything that will bring that back. That's where I struggled. And so that was that was interesting to me. But yeah, and, and when I, okay, going back, when we talk about dealing with emotions and just kind of like, like I said, they don't fix anything. I wonder how much of that stems from like our historical background as you know African Americans, right? I mean, hey, as as slaves, we always go back this far, but it's not that far removed from you know where we are today. As slaves, crying wasn't gonna fix nothing. You know what I mean? Even as a kid, you know, crying wasn't gonna solve nothing. You know, it was definitely terrible. They had every right to be sad and cry. But I think over time it was like, well, you know what I mean? What, right. what is it gonna solve? What is being angry gonna solve? And so, so many of those emotions I imagine were suppressed because there just wasn't much room for them. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think really when I think about our community and I, I would speak on my family in, in particular, everybody's family is not like this, but I noticed that growing up, not only in my family, but in our neighborhood, you could tell that people loved you and they were going to look out for you and they was going to support you. But it was very seldom that there was an affection where they yeah. come, give me a hug or I love you. I really, I, I didn't really, I can't recall my mom ever telling me that until I was an adult. Um, I'm saying I love you. And sometimes it feels kind of awkward when I hear that, like, you know, I love you, yeah. but just something that you didn't get and you weren't um, accustomed to experiencing to have it. It was like, and I know she loved me. I know she'll do anything that it, she in her power if I needed, if we needed to help me. Um, mm -hmm. But we just didn't have a lot of affection. And how with my family growing up, how I knew that somebody liked me or really cared is when they said something crazy to you. And, and <laughs> odd as that scene and dysfunctional as that is, you knew somebody was 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 um they liked you as a person or a kid especially momo if she says something to you crazy and yeah. she would say some crazy stuff to a lot of people <laughs> and i knew if she didn't like someone she wouldn't even talk to them she'd be cordial yeah. but she wouldn't be you know as open and throwing insults and it was just kind of like if you remember sanford and son like fred and esther on esther well, I don't remember that, but go ahead. Yeah, but, <laughs> and that was, uh, and I guess that's just a dysfunctional way to really express how we cared about each other because there was so many cold signs and things that throughout that period of slavery that we had to disguise our feelings, our, our, our communications so that they didn't catch on to what we were really saying. And like we talked about in the episode with the Negro spirituals, you know, a lot of those songs weren't just talking about spiritual, the high and by. Those was like strategies and plans. This is what we're doing. Here's a song. When you hear this, hey, we out. Or this yeah. is what we're doing. So I think overall, and I don't want to, you know, speak as as I'm the expert, but I think a lot of our um, way we deal with each other, where we deal with, with emotion, you know, stems from that. And I'm not going to say 100% that everyone functions in that way, but I know in our family growing up, there wasn't a lot of affection, but you knew there was love. You knew that you had the support, 
it just came in a way that if somebody on the outside looking in, they'd be like, man, they must hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Tony. Yeah. Tony, you call him up and Tony, first 10 minutes, he's saying something crazy. You just like, man, can we just talk? But that's just his way of showing affection. And like I said, as dysfunctional as it may seem, it, yeah, that's just what it is. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I mean, I got your side of the family and mom's side of the family. And although they're very different, I would say they're similar in that way. And that, you know, even with my grandmother, we never, I don't think I ever said I love you or she ever said it to me. But I, like you said, I knew it. Absolutely. I mean, she would bend over backwards just to make sure I had food, you know what I mean? Or, or I was taken care of. Or if, if I needed something, she'd call me. And I, I still have the voicemail she left me. We was going through, I think we were getting tornadoes over here in Kansas. And she called me and I, I remember being, I feel like in her own way, that was her saying, her way of saying, I love you. She called me and she said, Ja, it's your granny. Uh, I just making sure you all right. <laughs> Give me a call back when you can. And like, I think in her, in the, in the tone of her voice, I could hear like, that was her way of saying like, I love you. I'm checking on you. So you know that that means something. And so I, I guess, and that, that segues me into my next question is what is, is that, are, are we doing it healthy? And I'm not asking you to be the expert or Dr. Phil and you know, all is right. But I mean, is it healthy to, to just know, hey, I love you, and we don't necessarily have to say it or be affectionate and, you know, hug and kiss and all that, but we know. Because a lot of families do it that way. Others don't. Is it just a difference, or is, is it something that we need to probably try to change? And I know you don't have the exact right answer, but what would you, I guess, speculate? You know, I think everybody would love a hug, and I think each individual is different. I'm the type of person, I guess I'm accustomed to where I don't necessarily need you to come hug me. If I feel the energy and know that, okay, this person got my back, they're going to support me. They may not always come and say nice things and say, hey, I love you, man. And But I know when I get that call and Kenny or Ron or somebody, hey, man, what you doing? And they say something crazy. <laughs> that's their way of saying, hey, what's up, brother? I love you. Yeah. And so we don't say it, but whether or not it's right or wrong, I don't know. Yeah. Um, for some people, they may need that hug. They may need that more affection. I know your mom and I, we, we went through that where for her, she doesn't, she doesn't like that. She doesn't, she doesn't, that doesn't help her feel love because yeah. she doesn't sense it. And I, you know, I should tell her with mama, I say, you know, she, she liked you. She didn't like you. You, <laughs> you, you, you would know she didn't like you. Yeah. When she starts saying stuff and telling jokes to you, then that means she liked you. Now you might be the joke, but <laughs> she's telling it, that means, you know, she, she, she with you. And so she just, you know, her experience is just different. And yeah. so in that case, I think it would really depends on the individual and what their needs are and what they uh, respond to. I kind of want to, I guess, shift towards the darker emotions because like we talked about grieving and I, I, I think I've pondered, you know, am I grieving correctly? Am I dealing with this the right way? Have I just kind of pushed it to the side and is it going to boil over one day and I'm going to be, you know, completely upset and distraught and I don't I don't think that's the case but I'm just wondering because I, we see that so much in our community where people they don't necessarily deal with their anger correctly and it it manifests in other ways that aren't very healthy now I think what's interesting and once again I know you're not Dr. Phil you don't have all the correct answers but I'm asking you to speculate is so you know people can say you can say oh you, you you blow off steam right or you do this or whatever you know a lot of people have different tons of different ways of dealing with anger or anxiety or stress or sadness um those darker emotions and 
I guess I'm wondering what is what constitutes, you know, successful grieving? Because at the end of the day, hey, if my way of getting my stress out is going punching people in the face and I feel great afterwards, I wouldn't consider that healthy, even though, yes, you feel great. You know, that wasn't the right way to handle that. How do we constitute what's successful grieving? Is it just, hey, I feel good or is there a, I guess, right way to go about it? Well, I think there's always a right way to go about it. Um, for instance, if punching somebody in the face makes you feel better, then you take a boxing, a martial arts, <laughs> to where you can do that and it's constructive. Um, in terms of right and wrong, like I said, it's everybody's different. Like for instance, with Granny Joshi, she's been dead since what, 2004, so what, 17 years? I can't, outside of the funeral day, I don't remember ever crying about it yeah. or really feeling really sad. I have those moments where I miss her, but I don't really get down. And like I said, I don't know if that's me subconsciously conditioning myself to not really express those emotions or if it, I know why she was here. I always did everything I could to show her and to help and to be supportive and, and make sure that she was good. Yeah. And, and in that way, I don't have any any regrets. guilt or regret saying that I didn't do the best I could to make sure that her life and, and, and return, you know, some of the support and the love that she gave me throughout my life. Um, and even with Mama, the same. I don't have those moments where I get down. I have those moments here and there where I think about them and some of the things that they may have said or did. So it's really hard. It's really hard yeah. for me to answer that question. Well, I can just tell you how I've dealt with and experienced it. Um, and with, you know, passing of different people, it just, that may change. And as I get older and as I may reflect on things, how I deal with uh, death or people transitioning um, may change. I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it's really at this point more difficult for me to respond to that and give you a definite answer. Well, I'm wondering because, and I guess that's the difference, right? So your grandmother's the two closest people you've probably lost in your life, correct? Mm -hmm. My grandmother's the closest I've lost, but I lost, I think, you know, granted, you said Granny Josie, the only thing that you kind of look back and you wish was different was that maybe Malia got to meet her or whatever. And so that's one of the things that I'm interested to see for me is, you know, Granny Josie and Momo was at your wedding. They got to see me and Tia be born. They saw you kind of become a, a you know a, a grown adult and so i want to you know my my grandmother will never be at my my wedding uh she'll never meet my grandkids i always wanted them to meet their great grandmother and stuff like that and you know they have nan obviously you know what i mean but that's just one of the things that i'm wondering and it's it's tough to say now because those things aren't happening but i wonder and do you i mean and i guess it's once again tough for you to answer <laughs> but it's like i wonder will that affect me down the road and if so how do i how do i handle that well, I think that you just got to be real with yourself. If you, you feel sad about it or you feel some kind of way to to address it, to deal with it and not try to repress it or ignore it. Okay, this is how I'm feeling. Acknowledge it. And if it's something that persists, you may want to think about maybe I need to talk to somebody. Maybe I need to get some counseling. Um, but if it's something that comes and you have a moment or two where you're kind of feeling down and it goes off, goes away, and you're back to yourself, then I just think that's just part of having a memory and thinking about something that you kind of wish could have occurred that didn't. Yeah. And so at that time, I would say, if you felt that over a prolonged period of time to make sure you reach out to somebody, talk to them, call me, um, 
call your mom or somebody that you think can help be helpful. I don't, I don't know if I'm the best person, <laughs> um, but somebody that you could say, hey, I'm feeling a certain way, and how do we deal with this? That way, you don't get caught yeah. in a depression or a funk that you know causes your life to change in a way that is not in your best interest. One of the things that I think we got to address, and I guess we're getting on our soapbox here a little bit, because I believe we believe the same on this. And we are both, I think we've both kind of become, not become victim, but have been victim to it. It's some of the stigmas in our community. Like you said, I mean, you know, mainly with men in general, but definitely as much the black community. Hey, you don't cry. You little boy, you don't cry. You, you know, right. I mean, you dust it off. And as we get into adulthood, you know, if you've seen a therapist, you must be crazy. You know, something wrong with you or something like that. And I guess... I, I think it's important for us to iterate to people it's okay to seek help. And it's funny coming from me and probably from you too, because that's not something I think we do. <laughs> and not to say that we need help, but it's just, it's not something that I've ever even thought of to where I need to go see a therapist or, you know, when somebody tells me they're sad or they're really thinking about things, they need to go see a therapist or something like that. But I, I think as I've been around other communities, you know, particularly the white community, that's something that they, they do even just, you know, for smaller stuff. Hey, I'm gonna go see a therapist about it. And I'm like, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I not, and I, as I look and I speculate, not that I need to go see a therapist, but I say I did. I think one of the things that may help me back will be like, what if, you know, people found out, you know, people in my community, they'd be like, you crazy? What's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's a stigma we gotta, we gotta overcome. I think that it's starting to change. I know back in the day, that would have definitely been something like he, he going to the psychiatrist somewhere. <laughs> something wrong with him. He off. <laughs> you know, he wrong with that boy off. Something wrong with him. And so uh, now I believe that just with the awareness that's uh, coming to the forefront with many um, athletes, entertainers, and just people in general, I think yeah. that stigma is starting to, to die off. Um, it's still there, but I think more people are – comfortable doing it now than it was say 10 15 20 years ago and yeah. so i look at it as you know a therapist as a doctor you know if my back hurt i'm gonna go see a doctor you know if i broke my leg i'm gonna go to the doctor i'm not gonna go to down the street to, to cousin joe <laughs> and get a 40 and say you know my leg broke <laughs> fix it yeah <laughs> you know you're gonna go and do the doctor and so the mind is the most powerful thing that we have and sometimes um, we just need to kind of explore, allow ourselves to get some things off our chest, to, to refocus and, and look at things from a different perspective, um, yeah. particularly in this day and age, because there's so much more coming at you with social media and life just seems to be bombarding you with information, energy, um, just all kind of things that's coming at you that is sometimes it's hard to step back and be like, let me take a break. You know, I have those yeah. moments that I like, I need a mental break. I come home and I'm like, I'm not physically tired, but there's mentally I'm drained. It's just like, I don't want to read nothing. Don't say anything to me. <laughs> Let me just veg out for an hour or two. Yeah. And um, so really just beginning to learn yourself and, and understand how you, how you respond to things. And never yeah. be afraid to, to get help if you need it. Yeah, for the last few minutes here, I think, one of the things that I want to discuss and try not to get, I'm put, I saved it for last. So hopefully we won't hit too much of a rabbit hole. Now dealing with emotions, I guess my question is dealing with emotions. How much of that is based on what you believe? Because you know what I mean? You can believe in, 
you know, I, I, I brought it up earlier, the fundamental question of life being meaningful or life being meaningless. You know what I mean? Dealing with loss can be very different if you believe life is meaningful and it, you know, it meant something versus if you believe, Hey, none of this means nothing. And you know, we can go on about our business. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you believe and whether or not you constitute is healthy because somebody may believe one thing and then look at you doing it your way and say you're wrong. How would you, how do you believe that is? And I guess, do you just respect everybody's differences or what? Yeah, you have to respect everybody's differences because everyone had different experiences. I think for me, I didn't lose anybody real close to me as far as death. My, well, my grandfather, um, Nan's dad, when I was about seven or eight, but he lived in Texas. So I didn't really know him and didn't interact very much. So I, I knew that was my grandfather, but I didn't really know him like that. Yeah. So even though it was a loss, it wasn't something that had a big impact on me. Uh, and I think sometimes just depending on your experiences and then when they happen and where you're at in your maturity level will cause you to respond a certain way and have a certain perspective on it. I know like with certain kids or people who have parents that may have separated or divorced, particularly at an early age or what have you, sometimes they have separation anxiety and those type of things to where now their loss as far as a death or someone transitioning may affect them differently than someone who had their parents there together and they've always had that nucleus in the family uh, connection and they may respond differently. So I think it's an individual thing and even in the same family. You may have someone, same family, same upbringing, same experiences for the most part, may respond totally different to a loss of a, a loved one, someone they're close to. So um, I don't know, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, to a degree. Um, I guess I'll put this disclaimer out there towards the end here. Uh, we are not therapists. We don't, <laughs> we don't do this as you've heard us talk about. We are very non-emotional in ways and we have lots of things that we got to work through as well. But um, I think this, this episode was important for us to just reflect. Maybe if it was just for me or you personally, um, and hopefully maybe it helps someone out there listening, but just to discuss how we handle it, you know, personally, whether we believe it's healthy or not, um, this is how we've done it. And this is how, you know, we would like to do it moving forward and some of the observations we've made. Uh, but like I said, I think the biggest thing is, you know, try to get, trying to help get rid of that stigma that if you need help, you know what I mean? Go get it. Um, and, and because it's important, mental uh, mental health is this new, I guess, this new thing everybody's on. Well, I don't want to say new thing everybody's on, but <laughs> it's become more of an emphasis in our communities to, hey, let's take sure, make sure we take care of our mental health. And so um, in line with that, we believe in that as well. And so, yeah. Yeah, and I also like to add to that, and I just discovered this about myself in the last couple of years. It's, it's seldom that I have something that bothers me mentally and even emotionally but I began to under, become aware that when I was stressed, I felt it in my body. So I may not been not able to sleep or had trouble focusing or what have you, but I can see I've got just this tension and the stress. And it's just like, I began to realize, okay, there's something happening. I may not be dealing with it mentally and emotionally, but it is, my body is carrying that and my body is dealing with it. And so just begin to, be more aware of yourself. You may not 
take things on mentally, emotionally, but your body may physically uh, take on those stresses and those traumas. So uh, I think that would be something just to be more aware of yourself in those regards. Yeah, I guess that's, you know, as we close, that's the only advice that I'll give is, and I don't think, you know, it's bad for anybody, but to take inventory, stop, reflect, and, and think about how you're feeling, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and just to have, I guess, this self-talk, I think that's crucial for everybody. Everybody needs to be more aware of where they're at. And uh, yeah, I think that's- And having a- somebody that you can talk to, that you can yeah. trust that as your best interest at heart and that you feel comfortable and being willing to share things that may be bothering you or things that may be going well, just to be able yeah. to have that outlet to share, um, I think it's important. Yeah. Well, not to draw on too long, we, uh, we're glad to be back. <laughs> like I said, we took a quick hiatus for, for various reasons, but uh, we're glad to be back.